1: Remember what You said, you return that I might live in my Father's house.
2: Sin means that our lives are governed by desires, by lusts, things again prohibited by God and not the truth of the Word. The things that are right, or wrong. Let me sum it up this way. It's living a life not governed by God. The thoughts of God are not at the center of our lives. Now the opposite would be someone who is constantly thinking about, okay, what would God have me to do in this situation?
0: The Bible says that everyone is a sinner, but that shouldn't be an excuse for doing things that you want to do. Instead, you should try to avoid sinning at all costs if for the only reason that God doesn't want you to sin. Sin will separate you from God. When you sin, you are allowing yourself to follow your own desires instead of God's desires. Today, Pastor Mike will encourage you to commit to living your life to the glory of God. Do what God has called you to do, not what you want to do. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 John, chapter 2, as he continues his message, Reasons not to sin.
1: You return.
2: It was their relationship to God. And that's how they got through life's difficulties. They suffered terrible trials, trials greater than you'll ever experience. They endured adversity. It was because they were right with God that they were made independent of circumstances and chance, conditions, and surroundings. And that's the only explanation that can be offered. These are the things which John is dealing with in these two verses of Scripture. Now, tell me if that wasn't the longest introduction of a message that you've ever heard me give him before. Okay. But here's the good news we're already <laughs> through the message, okay? So don't sweat it. So, go, John, then, let's go back to our text of Scripture. He's writing to the young Christian church, which is confronted. By extreme difficulty, problems, like for example, worldliness, remember, they were in a minority, they were just a little few, they were a little group. (laughs) Think about that, right? They were surrounded by problems, worldliness, trials, tribulation. Uh, During the first three centuries of the Christian church, over six million Christians were martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. Talk about tribulation, right? So, what could he say to those believers there that were members of that first century church? What could he say to them? What advice does he offer them? Well, there you have it, verses one and two. Let's read it again. We'll go back to our text. He says, My little children. And notice the way he greets them, like a grandfather, my little children. And by the way, those of us who are in positions of leadership, this is the way that we ought to treat the members of our congregation, as little children, like our kids. We're old enough. That we got these, some of these people could be our kids, right? I mean, that's how old we are. But anyway, here's the advice. He says, my little children, it's a term of endearment. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin, bringing them back, right, to the source of all of their problems, all of their difficulties, right? But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So basically, here's the advice. Don't sin, but if you do, turn to Christ. If you're taking notes, you might want to write those two things down, okay? Don't sin, but if you do, turn to Christ. And so as John looks at these people and addresses them, and as he looks back across his own life, he sees certain dangers that always confronts us as Christians. What are some of those dangers? How about complacency? Well, I've been walking with the Lord now for 38, 40 years, and yeah, you know, I got the whole thing wired, and... I put in my time, you know, kind of a thing. I've read the Bible once through. There's nothing really that I need to learn anymore. I've learned it all. I mean, come on, give me a break. And we become so complacent. We're really, the truth of the matter is we're stuck in neutral. We just plop ourselves down in those seats, and we stand when we're asked to stand, and when they sing our favorite songs, we lift up our hands. Then we put them down after that, and we sit back down and just kind of zone out And we're so complacent. We're not thinking about new, creative ways of serving the Lord or making an investment here or beginning a new ministry here or getting involved in a a ministry that's already established here. And We're just stuck in neutral. Complacency. It's so easy to fall into that kind of a funk. So that's one of the dangers. So how about compromise? I mean, all of these new churches with all of these crazy new names are springing up all over the place, Right? They're like kind of giving us their people half-truths. And there's not much that can differentiate them between Christianity and the world. And that's the hook. That's what draws the young people in. And it's more of a show and a rock and roll concert. And listen, I like rock and roll. Don't misunderstand. And I like concerts. I love to go to concerts. That can't take the place of true Christianity. We need to be very careful about this as well. Compromise. Christians are are compromised today. We need to be careful about that as well. Hopelessness, depression, well, all of these things that we're confronted with. What's the answer? The answer is recorded for us right here in verses one and two. Here's what you and I have to do and what God in his infinite grace is always ready to do for us. These are the two things we must always bear in mind if we are to enjoy true fellowship with God. If this is right, it doesn't matter what comes, your way, whatever your experience, whatever life throws at you, whatever the devil will throw at you, you will be triumphant. Don't sin, but if you do, turn to Christ. Now let's consider that phrase sin now. Let's go back to our text. What does that mean? Well, first of all, let's, I guess we ought to talk about what sin is. What is sin? Well, literally, it means missing the mark. And by definition, basically, when you think about this, by definition, here's just a working definition, a basic definition, is this is someone who is disobeying God's laws that have been revealed to us in the Bible. Anything that is condemned in the Bible, because in the Bible there are just certain prohibitions that are recorded for us. Now, why should we not sin? Well, you look at all of these prohibitions, break them down, and disobey God's laws, and you'll never have fellowship with God. Because that's the one thing that separates you from Him. That's the one thing that separates you from His blessing. And sin also means disobeying your conscience. Because God innately has placed within you a conscience, this mechanism, that sort of regulates those things so that you can determine whether they are right or wrong. It's sort of like an inward monitor, if you will, that voice telling us not to do it, that called us to stop. It's telling you you can't do that. We knew it was wrong, but... Sometimes we do it anyway, right? And our conscience begins to prick us. It kind of begins to work against us. Sin means that our lives are governed by desires, by lusts, things, again, prohibited by God and not the truth of the word, the things that are right or wrong. Let me sum it up this way. It's living a life not governed by God. The thoughts of God are not at the center of our lives. Now, the opposite would be someone who is constantly thinking about, okay, what would God have me to do in this situation? Let's say some temptation presents itself to you. Just out of the blue. And the right kind of a way to respond to that, the right kind of a person would, would just for a moment pause and ask himself the question, what would God have me do? To do. Would God prohibit me from going ahead and engage in that kind of a situation? This is a perf- person who is living as unto God and His glory. He's taken that moment to just pause and ask himself those kinds of questions. So this is the way to avoid sinning. The realization, that commitment, because there's a commitment involved in all of this, I am here, to live to the glory of God, to live in accordance with his holy will. I'm asking, what does God want rather than what I want, what he has revealed concerning himself and his purpose? And if we do this, folks, it will keep us from sin. Now, let's go on. We mustn't sin, okay? Why mustn't we sin? Well, let me give you a couple of reasons why not to sin. If you're taking notes, and if you haven't taken notes up until this point, it might serve you well to do exactly that. Let me give you some answers to that question. And as I mentioned in the opening statements, the more we reason these things out, the better for us. And the more we shall be unable to sin. If we would just sit down and ask ourselves these questions, reason these things out, the better for us, and the more we shall be unable to sin. Sin. Okay, so, number one, the first reason why we should not sin is because sin is something which is condemned and hated by God. It is something that is utterly opposed to him and his divine, holy nature. And that ought to be enough for us. I must not sin because God said I mustn't. It is an abhorrent thing unto him. And if it is to him, it should be likewise to us. So just simply, it's condemned by God. It's just black and white, recorded, written in the word, uh, no ifs, ends or buts. The second reason why we shouldn't sin is because sin is wrong in and of itself and its own nature. I mean, consider sin's ugliness. Consider the fruit of sin. Consider its ugliness in its foulest form, how perverse it actually is. And consider all of the misery and wretchedness it produces, the havoc it creates, the fighting, the wars, the sickness, the addictions, and ultimately death. Those are just some of the reasons why not to sin. If only we could see the true nature of sin, we would hate and avoid it at all costs. So the second reason, sin is wrong in and of itself and its own nature. But here's a third reason. I came up with eight of them. If You're a lot smarter than me, so you probably come up with more. But these are the eight that I came up with. Thirdly, we should not sin because sin is the terrible and foul thing that causes such suffering to our blessed Savior the Lord Jesus Christ think about it the thing that brought the Son of God from heaven to earth The thing that made him humble himself Make himself of no reputation Was ultimately the problem of sin. That's the reason why the father sent him into the world to die in our place on the cross for our sin It was sin that made him endure the contradiction of sinners against himself it was the problem of sin that caused Jesus to sweat drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was sin that drove the nails into his holy hands and feet. It was sin that produced the agony and the suffering and the shame of the cross. Listen, that's what sin does. So, here's the question. Can I, as a Christian, considering that, you know the effect that it had upon Jesus... Claim to be a Christian and go on sinning when it caused Jesus so much pain and suffering. Man, think about that, ne- that the next time when temptation provides an opportunity or presents itself to you. Let me give you a fourth reason not to sin. Sin is dishonoring to the gospel and to its claims and to its power. I mean, think about it. The gospel, which tells us it can give us power that offers life and renewal of strength. I mean, just about every page in the New Testament treats that subject of offering us power and strength to overcome sin within our lives. So then if we do choose to sin, we are denying the gospel and bringing it into disrepute. So we must not sin, right? And think about your own personal testimony. Think about that person that you've been sharing Christ with for so long at your places of employment, and then they catch you involved in some kind of a sin that you thought was a secret sin. And now the gospel is held in disrepute by that unbeliever. And you've, in fact, you've let that person off the hook. I thought Christianity was the real deal, but now I see, that you used to tell me it's strength to change my life, power to change my life, a new dynamic for Christian living, the Holy Spirit, God is involved in your life, and I guess that was all a sham. Think about that. Think about your own personal testimony. So sin is dishonoring to the gospel, to its claims, and it's to his powers. But then here's a fifth reason not to sin. Sin breaks our fellowship with God. And remember, that's the main problem. We've already addressed that subject. But it casts us off from the source of all blessedness. And si- since we don't know what's awaiting us, I mean, think about what's at stake here. I mean, God help us. No one knows what's going to happen when you walk out that door this evening. I know that God has set his hedge about you. But listen, God had set his hedge about those people in Texas. Where was that? In Houston. I was in California, so I didn't catch up with. Oh, in in, uh, San Antonio, rather. Don't you think that when those people, I mean, they didn't have a clue. They were going to worship the Lord. When all of a sudden their service was interrupted by that gunman, more than three-quarters of the people who were attending that church Church was shot to death that day. God help us. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Listen, what's at stake? You, want, you, met, you better make sure that you're in, hooked up with the Lord, that you're in contact with Him, that you're in fellowship with Him. You don't want to be cast off from the source of all blessedness because we don't know what is waiting for us around the corner. You better be right with God. Remember, sin breaks that fellowship. Sin breaks that fellowship. Let me give you a sixth reason why we shouldn't sin, because sin is utterly inconsistent with our profession. I've already touched on this as well. But Christians are people who realize and know that sin is the central problem in life. We all know that, right? That was my one of my opening statements, one of the first things that I claimed in this evening's message. So if we continue to sin... We deny what we profess to believe. That sin is the problem with all of mankind, with the world in which we live. We've deviated from God's plan. We've sown to the wind, and now we're reaping the whirlwind, as Hosea puts it. What's the problem? The problem is sin. We've turned our back upon God. The seventh reason not to sin is sin leads us to an evil conscience. Have you ever experienced that? I know you have. But that's actually the Holy Spirit working in concert with your conscience, convicting you of sin. Remember, Jesus talked about that in John's Gospel. He says that when the Spirit comes, he will convince the world of sin, that conviction of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a terrible thing? It's like uh, you're being pricked by the Holy Spirit. It's like zing, you know, you get zinged by him kind of a thing. Oh, man, what in the, why did I do that? I knew better than that. And look, I, you know, it's not fulfilling, it's not satisfying, and now all I have is, is this guilt that's left me, with me. And what I thought was going to be so fulfilling and satisfying wasn't fulfilling or satisfying at all, and now I'm just left with the guilt and that sense of, I failed God. You know, I failed what God wanted me to do. So sin leads to an evil conscience, and when we sin, we fall under a sense of condemnation. We're not happy. We're miserable with ourselves. And let me tell you something, something else. We're usually irritable with other people. So be careful. You know, this may be the way that we can get... You. You're, you're around people who are supposed to be Christians they're very irritable with you. They're irritable with everybody. They're probably being under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I don't know. That may apply or may not apply. You know, it was wrong... And yet, you did it anyway. And therefore, it robs you of your joy, your happiness, and gives you a sense of condemnation. Although I know what the Bible tells us, there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. But nevertheless, you feel condemned. But it's not Jesus condemning you, it's the devil. He's whispering in your ear, look at you. You're the pastor of the church, and you did that? You kidding me? And he just condemns us, and condemns us, and condemns us. That's why the Bible describes him as the accuser of the brethren. And then lastly, and don't clap, the last and eighth reason not to sin, it leads to doubt. And, and you know, of all of the reasons, well, maybe not all of the reasons, that whole thing about, look what it did to Jesus and the way he had to suffer, that, that's the one thing that just rips my heart apart You know when I think about that. But you know what? It leads to doubt. I begin to doubt my relationship with God. I don't know, am I plugged in anymore? Have I been put up for adoption? Am I really a son, am I really a daughter? Has God just wiped me out, crossed me off the list, written my name off out of the Lamb's Book of Life? And we begin to doubt, come on, you've had this experience, I know you have, I have. It leads to doubt, because we just don't know if we have that same relationship with God. We don't know if we're going to continue to secure his provision like in the past. It leads to hopelessness and that sense of, I can't do anything now. I think I'm forsaken. <laughs> okay, anyway, those are just some of the reasons why we shouldn't sin. I'm being a little overdramatic tonight. But thank God, and I'll close with this, there is this further word that's a part of our text here, this, this further instruction in the latter part of verse 1 And then also in verse 2, and John goes on and he says, and if you sin, here's the good news. And by the way, this is going to be the title of next Thursday's message, Our Advocate, Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about his advocacy. That's what next Thursday's message is going to be all about. And we're not going anywhere. We're going to treat verses 1 and 2 again, but we're going to look at it from a different perspective with a different slant. So that's the title of next week's message. But let's read it once again and then we'll close it out. And if anyone does sin, okay, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Listen, gang, provision has been made. Christ is our propitiation, right? This is the wonderful privilege that we enjoy Jesus, our advocate
1: father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be
0: oh, my we're so glad you joined us today on in my father's house for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of first john if you'd like to hear more messages from pastor mike please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can view his past teachings when you click on the Vimeo link or listen online. Just click on the Resources tab to find out more. Sometimes life can get busy, and between work, family, and all your other obligations, it's hard to find the time to dig deeply into the Bible for yourself. We want to encourage you to make time with the Lord a priority in your life. And we have some great resources linked at harvestnyc.org to help you do just that. We also invite you to join our mailing list for daily devotionals. You can sign up at harvestnyc.org. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You can reserve your seat and get directions at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. And be sure to give us a call if you have any questions. 212-247-1877. That's 212-247-1877. That brings us to the end of our study today. Join Pastor Mike next time to continue learning and growing in faith right here on in my Father's house.
1: Where I love to be all oh my heart not be troubled.